Robert Half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. I didn't know that. I didn't either. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. Interesting. Mm. That's why you need Robert Half. Yep. I don't think that's a person. That's the company. Okay, I was confused. Yeah, their specialized recruiting professionals engage with their proprietary AI. Welcome to connect businesses (laughs) of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing, and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. See, at Robert Half, they know talent. I wish I had had Robert half back in the day oh, when I was hiring. Okay. So, no offense, Sona. Oh, it, it, I feel like you did mean to offend me. Yes, you wouldn't be here if I had had Robert Half. Okay. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Hi, my name is Zach Galifianakis. And I feel um, cautious about being Conan O'Brien's friend. You didn't know my last name? (laughs) Conan O'Brien? I I couldn't remember. And don't take a self-satisfied swig of whatever cool chai latte you're having. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk in blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends Hello there, I'm Conan O'Brien, and this, of course, is my podcast, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. I say, of course, because you're hearing me, not seeing me, so you know it's the podcast. Um, (laughs) Sadly, many people prefer me in this format, and I don't blame them. I'm joined by my trusty assistant on Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, Sona Movsessian. Sona, uh, you look very nice today. Thank you very much. How's your life going? Great. Yeah? Yeah. I I don't have anything to say. Everything's really good. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. Well, I'm glad you prepared for the podcast with that little... Nugget. This is nice. Thank uh, you. No, it's okay. Show business you usually want to have Good. a little nugget of something. Put me but, on the spot that's with great. no well, warning at all. Yeah. And oh, really? Oh, I lured you in here like you're an animal with a carrot, and then I put a, a microphone and a headset on you, and you didn't think anything was going to happen? If you said prepare something, like a story about your life, I'd be like, okay, but now you're just like, hey, tell us something about your life. What, a, what am I? I'm binging The Office again. <laughs> For the third time. You're binge watching The Office for the third time? Yes. And you're doing that at work, aren't you? Yes. Do you ever do it? <laughs> do you ever do it? And be honest. Do you ever have something that is kind of important that you need to do for me, but you finish an, off- an episode of The Office first? Go. Yes. You asked me this before, and the answer is always yes, because nothing is that important. So, yeah, that's, that's, what, that's where we're at. And you know that. And you know that. It's not my, I, you know that. You think you have the correct priorities and that mine are skewed. You want me to put these things out there Mm -hmm. and I have, but yes, nothing that you want is that important. You think it's important. It's not that important. So yeah, my priorities are fine. Thanks. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, Wow. Wow. All right. You came in hot. I did not. Yes, you did. I did not. I asked you about your day. You said I got nothing. Uh, fuck off. And, uh, you know, and that's the mess we're in right now. Yeah. But anyway, there is a medication you get me that keeps my heart beating every day. I just want you to know. Okay. That's not really true. It's not. I know. I just wanted. If there was, you probably wouldn't get it for me. Matt oh, Gorley, you're here. Wait. How are you? I think I'm going to leave. Why? <laughs> Mommy and daddy are fighting. We, that wasn't a real fight. It you should see real. us. You should see us, man, when we really, really? go at it. Yeah. It's incredible. I, I imagine at some point that may happen or will I see that? 
I don't know. Is Probably it happens not. in private? I don't think so anymore. First of all, uh, Sona's in a better place now. Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure it's all her fault. What does that mean, yeah. though? Yeah, you're just what a, does that mean? You're just in a better place. Maybe uh, you're in a better place. Uh, no, I'm in the same place. <laughs> <laughs> no, come on. You met the love of your life. You're happy. It's all good. So uh, I wasn't happy before? Uh, no, you were happy. You were fine. It was yeah. all good. Yeah. Okay. I just made that up in my mind. All right. I remember you being difficult a couple of years ago. You were always difficult. You're still difficult. Yeah. Okay. Listen, this just isn't- stop. Yeah, this just stop. Just stop. Folks, the podcast is free. Stop. You paid nothing for this. Stop. Just stop. Continue. Um, I have the last word. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's pray. I had it. Gorley? Yeah? Yep. Save the day with one of your quips. Yes. Oh, God. Hey, great sunshine today. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? Great, Great sunshine. sunshine. I have a question. Yes. I have a question for Matt Gorley. Yeah. I have a question for Matt Gorley, and you can pull stuff up, and then maybe we'll use this section. Who knows? It's up to you, on your know. magical mystery man. I have a question. I didn't grow up in Los Angeles. Yeah. So I'm not familiar with this area. I've spent a lot of time here, but is this the way it always is in L.A.? The fires and fires come and you hear that maybe you have to run away from your house and grab one thing each, but then uh, it doesn't come, but then it might come again tomorrow. Is that the way it is? It's always been a problem, but not like this. And so I'm this is, this is, this is. to be alarmist, but it's changed. And so have the seasons. When I was a kid and it was this time of year, it felt a little bit like fall. Like you, Halloween was a tad brisk. Now it's just like deathly hot still. Right. So you are in the global warming camp. I, well, yeah, I think every scientist and person with common sense. Excuse me? Yeah. No, not no. this guy right here. I didn't think so. This show is a, is a science, uh, is a global warming denying show. It's a science-free yeah, show. I'm, gonna, I'm announcing that right now. I'm one of those guys who every time it slightly snows, where's your global warming now? Yeah, it's February, it snowed one. Where's your global warming now? I saw a polar bear on the news. Yeah, there's one left. Well, where's your global warming now? <laughs> yeah, it's, I it's, just. Uh, it feels like the seasons have shifted two months back. So I want to move Christmas to like February so it feels right. I miss the fall so much. I do too. That I want to wear a, um, I want to wear like a, a pea coat uh-huh. and I want to wear a scarf. Yeah, I do that. I aspirationally dress and it kills me every time. I do that. I, dr- I wear a heavy coat, but I also like to see my breath. So it's 90 degrees out, but I started smoking <laughs> just so that when I exhale, I see my breath. And I feel like it's the fall. And, it's uh, going to be the yeah, fall. Yeah. And I pay children around me to rub their hands. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Hundreds of dollars. It's worth it. Oh, great sunshine. Anyway, we have an amazing show today. Uh, my guest is a hilarious actor and comedian who starred in the Hangover movies and the FX series Baskets. Uh, he can be also seen in the new Netflix movie, Between Two Ferns, the movie, based on his very popular Funny or Die series. I'm uh, just, uh, it's a joy to chat with this gentleman today. I've known him a really long time, and he is absolutely hilarious. The very talented Zach Galifianakis is with us. Hey, Zach. I've known you for a long time. You used to come on my late night show. You started like in 2000, coming on the late night show. That's about right. Yeah. Oh, oh it's about right? I remember exactly. I'm coming after you hard. What's with the glasses? These are now people. Thanks a lot. Is now this, people in the podcast like, uh, land know that I wear glasses. Is this thanks. like uh, my take my take me seriously look that you have? No. There's no glass in these. <laughs> these are those glasses. <laughs> these are those glasses Rob Lowe wore in the 80s to make him, you know, look like he read books and stuff. <laughs> But no, thanks for outing me as having to wear glasses. Now I'm going to have that surgery where they shoot lasers into your eyeballs. It looks good. Those glasses look good on you. They do. It's just too late. They make me. you look uh, sh- shorter. <laughs> <laughs> that, that works for me. I like that. I hate it here. I'm going to hate every second of this. I've known you a long time. Uh, I know you're to be an honorable man, a good man. You used to come on my show and play the piano and do stand-up, and you were always hilarious. Always, always hilarious. And then I heard that at some point before everything blew up for you in a good way, you were thinking of getting out of the business. Is that right? The biz? Well, the, we, listen, I just call it the buh because I'm that cool. But um, people in the know call it the biz. I'm so inside, I call it the buh. Well, I mean, it's... Uh... It's a lonely existence sometimes to be a stand-up comic, and 
a lot. Some of my act, I had a big closer where I wore a little orphan Annie outfit, and I was doing the road a lot. And I was forty, and I would <laughs> go to office supply stores and buy like my glitter for my, <laughs> my shows and my magic markers because I always wrote these Bob Dylan type flip chart. Yep, yep, I remember. And yeah, that's. I remember being forty. Touting, you know, kind of going around the country with my little orphan Annie dress, thinking, I don't know how long this will last, and not thinking there was much of a future to it. Yeah, you. so I'm just picturing you're coming off stage, and there's that moment when you come off stage and you catch a look at yourself in the mirror, and you're dressed. You're well, playing, I'm doing the cocaine, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and saying, I can't hear the laughter anymore. Uh, you were looking in the mirror, and you, you were dressed as little orphan Annie, I, the laughter was there. It was, the shows were going well. It was just the fact that I think it was in my late 30s or 40, early 40s, when I just kind of, I didn't expect to have such a gypsy lifestyle. Right. And that gypsy lifestyle just kind of being wearing a little orphan Annie dress, yep. playing at the University of Kentucky. Right. <laughs> Everywhere. That was the last college I played. And I did a pr- pretentious Q&A there just to eat up more time. And this kid stands up and he goes, yeah, uh. How many Oreo cookies does it take for you to play our college? <laughs> oh, my God. And in the back of my head, I was like, God, that's really funny. But I eviscerated him. But isn't that really mean? But it's very mean. And what, what nerve? Well, then everything explodes because you do the hangover. I told you this. I was walking down. I don't know where. I think I was in Vegas. And I don't go to Vegas a lot. I really do try to avoid Las Vegas. But I had to be in Las Vegas. And I was walking along and there was a guy who was professionally dressed as Alan, your character in The Hangover. Mm-hmm. And he looked a lot, and he was like, Conan, Conan, look, right? I'm Alan. And I thought you went from that moment of playing this <laughs> college and having a guy insult you and you're dressed as little orphan Annie. And then people are pretending to be you the way they pretend to be Spider-Man or Michael Jackson, or whatever. Isn't that, I mean, that's, how do you? That's America, Conan. That's America. That's what's good about America. That's what's good about America. That something like that can happen. <laughs> Why are you crying? I'm not crying. You are, you're crying. I'm not. And the those, tears are blood. Yes. Actually, once, I had this roommate, he was a close friend of mine here, here in California, and he was trying to be a cop, and uh, he was miserable. He went and took his test, and... And he had been picking at a scab, like right by his eye, for a while. And he, he'd been waiting for this letter to see if he were could be a cop or not. This was going to be his turning point for his life. And he opened up the letter, and I see his face, and he reads it as a rejection letter. And as soon as he his face fell, he started crying blood. No. Yeah, it was the most amazing timing of anything I've ever seen. <laughs> He got his rejection letter, you cannot be a police officer, and blood came out of his eyes. The stab just started bleeding right at that moment. It was amazing. You said crying blood, that made me think of it. You can edit that out, it's not that great. No way, it's like a Bond villain. Yeah, there is a Bond villain, actually. Uh, You'll know, because you're, Gorley here is, you know, knows all this kind of stuff, but uh, there's a Bond movie where the villain- Okay, (laughs) all right. The Sheep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, you know his name. I just wanted to know the movie. Oh, Casino. Right. Okay. That's a lot, pal. Um, I've always known you to be a very authentic man, hmm. unchanged by your success. Hmm. Uh, I'm never this formal in any of the other podcasts. <laughs> it's, you know, it's so funny. I don't know why, but we've talked to like Michelle Obama and all these, and I'm I'm very loose, and I don't know why <laughs> when you come in, I'm a little bit of a. Uh, a zelig, I, you, you've always had, you always have this like, hello, good to see you, and then I adopt that too. Like, I've always known you. Low energy, low energy, and yeah. also you are not a man of any pretensions. So then I just turn into this guy who's talking to you. Right. I'm here with uh, Zach Elford. Zach, I've always known you to be a, a fine man, a good man, oh, a man of quality and ability. Thank you, Conan Brian. <laughs> <laughs> it's O'Brien. Oh, right. Son see, of oh, bitch. Uh, you don't like this whole Hollywood town and you have a healthy, healthy suspicion of showbiz folk, don't you? No, I don't. I, I think what my whole thing is, is I've observed ego in this town and what it does. 
and I find it very interesting. And I think that's how we got a celebrity president. Yeah. Our yeah. worship of it. Right. That's my only beef. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Other than that, we're good. Did you notice how many times you saw my name on the way up to the podcast studio or my image, mm -hmm. my graven image? Yeah. The, that I don't chagrin. Is that the right term? I don't think so. Well, I went to public school. What was that like? Do they have food there? <laughs> I don't know. I also went to public school. I went to public oh, elementary and uh, public high school. Yes, I. I, I don't know. I, I just imagine you were you were a private school guy. I was not. No, I went to uh, public public elementary school. Uh, huh. Public high school. I was an incredible jock. <laughs> oh God. Okay, that part's not true. I was not a jock. Did you play any sports? I ran track mm. for half a year, and then it was decided mutually that that should no longer continue. <laughs> <laughs> but by racing in general or by track, who, you, what do you mean? Uh, it, was a, it was actually people even outside Massachusetts <laughs> mm -hmm. weighed in and said he should stop running. It's mm -hmm. not good. Uh, something about my lungs uh, failing. I would imagine it would be, and I mean this, like the gait of an ostrich. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad my team has my back here. I will tell you what the problem was. I have a very, and I've talked about this quite a bit, but I have an unusual body proportion. I have very, very long legs mm -hmm. and then a very uh, relatively short torso. Mm -hmm. uh, my waist is up where most people's shoulders are. <laughs> and uh, my throat is connected to my groin. And the whole thing's a mess. Well, I would rather have that body any day than as I've always told what I think my body looks like is a fifth grader's body who looked like he swallowed a penguin. <laughs> a fifth grader who swallowed a penguin? Yes, like in one gulp. Like it just kind of sits in his stomach. Because like I'm small everywhere else. And you're just trying to still right digest? right here at the large of my back. <laughs> There's a penguin struggling to yeah. get out? And it, like my family, we have 30 good years in my family, and then it just... Like with our looks, I've noticed. I looked around at my cousins and stuff. Everybody's really good looking, and then it all drops off. It just goes to goes to pot really quickly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. that happens with my people too. We 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 clean up pretty nice, and then I keep saying we're sort of like these junk trees, you know, that uh, grow really quickly and then fall apart uh, and make a big mess, and you have to get someone to come in with a chainsaw and cut up the pieces. Are both of your side Irish? Yes. Yeah, I would imagine. Why would you say that? Well. It just explain yourself. It seems very what? It just seems very Irish. All of it. <laughs> just there's a lot of there's a lot of Ireland, and I don't mean that in a I don't mean that in a. My, I'm, I'm half like I'm you know yeah so you know what it's good half means you're a mix. I think it's good to be a mix. I really do. I think it's good to have a blend. My wife is a blend. Mm -hmm. I am a 100% solid shot of, uh, of Irish tato, and <laughs> it's not good. Yeah. What else you got on that paper? Uh, let's see. It says here. Uh, now, you live – I'm going to direct this back to you. I see what you're trying to do. You know, I've been interviewed by you on uh, Between Two Ferns. Mm -hmm. uh, you eviscerated me. Uh, you tore me apart. Good-natured ribbing. A good-natured ribbing, you think? Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't leave my room for for six months after that interview. That's what I love so much about <laughs> between two ferns is the pauses, the dis the discomfort. You mm -hmm. that is your uh, you know some artists work in clay, some work in oils. You're so good with discomfort mm -hmm. and passive aggression. Mm -hmm. Is that fair? I try not to be that in real life. No, no, you're not that in real life. Right. I'm so, making, I'm, I'll make that very clear. You're a very nice person. Miscommunication to me has always been funny. Mm -hmm. Rudeness has always been funny. <laughs> I don't agree with it, but I've always laughed at rudeness. Like, yes. not a, laughed with it. I've laughed at it. Yeah. Because when people lose control, <laughs> I mean, my father, who is the greatest human ever, but he had, like, sometimes he had a temper that would come out every two years, and we, like... To see him lose it was comedic to me. <laughs> it just was. But as far as the long yeah. pauses and that kind of stuff, I think the dynamic of it is because you're there with somebody like a cele you know a person of prestige in quotes, and to see them in that 
unglamorous moment yes. is somewhat refreshing. I mean, if you're going to explain it, you know. No, no, no. But what, 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 makes, what makes it so great is you're just not afraid to use anything. I mean, obviously the greatest example of it of all time, when you did it with the most high status person in the world, President Obama, it was so fantastic because I don't know that I would have had the balls to, to do that with the president of the United States, particularly this, this really well-regarded, you know, the high, most highly regarded man in the United States at the time. And you're being so rude and you're being so petulant. Mm-hmm. And he played it, I thought, beautifully. Were you um, nervous before doing that? Yeah, I mean, I tend to be nervous. I use nervous energy. I don't try to get calm. I try to get ner- right. <laughs> nervous uh, because it, it it adds it adds to the character of it. But with him, I think what happened is we just got lucky, and he just rolled with it and made me feel that I could really say whatever I wanted. And before we started, there was a, this his speechwriter was helping us, and I had said, "Has he seen this question?" Which was, "What's it like to be the last black president?" Um, <laughs> which was written by a guy named Tim Kalpakis. Uh, the speechwriter looked at me and said, yeah, like, but he, I did not believe him whatsoever. I don't know if he'd even seen the show. I mean, if a President Obama knows it, what does that say about us? You know what? <laughs> I hope he doesn't know it, right, right. is my hope. And then uh, you told me a story once where after it had gone online and was viral and everybody loved it. You're walking along by yourself in kind of a deserted area. I was at a construction site. You were at a construction site. This is really good. I was at a construction site and uh, I was, um, I remember I was sitting next to a traffic cone and um, he called my my phone and we chatted. Your phone rings. My phone rings. It's Your cell phone mm-hmm. and you're in a construction site and you open it and just, let's, let's take our time with this. Okay. You... <laughs> What do you hear? Is he right there? Or is yeah, it a voice that says? I think it was Valerie Jarrett. Yeah, had was there on the phone, and she said, "If you," she was being nice and thankful about the video, and then she said, "If you'll hold on a minute, somebody wants to talk to you." And uh, I said, "Bullshit!" <laughs> and I hung up. No, <laughs> no, I uh, I held I hold on the I held on the line, and then he he said, "Hey Zach, I hope this helps your career," and I almost said. I hope it helps yours. <laughs> but I, at this point, I was like, okay, we're not doing the video. I'm going to no, be No, 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 no. Be you our know, nice I, person right. now. Yeah. So um, we chatted back and forth. And then I I think that he probably is used to people trying to getting emotional around him mm-hmm. because he's, you know, he's the president of the United States yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. a good leader. And I, I, I kind of was getting like, I'm kind of proud of it. Either like, he just cut me off. He was like, okay, I'll talk to you later, brother. <laughs> and that was the last thing he said. Right. And I didn't know what to do for this moment. So I just, <laughs> this construction site, I just stood up at the chair I was sitting in and just took a picture of this shitty chair next to this traffic <laughs> to memorialize the moment for myself. Yeah. But yeah, because there was nobody around to tell, you know, that the president was calling, but... um I thought it was pretty classy of him to to call. I mean, he certainly doesn't have to do that to take time to do that. It was really nice. Yeah, I just thought you've you, never called me after I've done your show. Uh, well, actually, I had my assistant Sona try and place the call, and she failed. I'm sorry. Every time. It every, was my fault. Yeah, that every, is what I've been taught every, to say. Every time I've said, "Get Zach on the phone," <laughs> I, I want to call him, hmm. and she says, "Let me try and do that," hmm. and then she calls Zach Efron. Oh. We have very similar numbers and first names. <laughs> yeah. And then I talk- And that's where it's off. I go on at length about Zach Efron's comedic abilities. And- uh, Is he co- comedic? Oh, I don't know. I think I'm talking to you. Oh. <laughs> and he often doesn't say anything. And- um, He's handsome, that guy. Sona's yes. in love with Zach Efron. Is he, what, is he like the, the looks you like? Um, I'm, I don't discriminate. There's a lot of looks I like, yeah. uh, but I, I saw him in a Subway sandwich shop once what? and he looked at me and his eyes pierced through my soul. Huh? Yeah. I had the same experience with Josh Gad. <laughs> <laughs> I just love saying his name. I don't know what it is. It's also, he has <laughs> eyes that just cut right through you. Oh, Josh okay. Gad. I yeah. just like referencing he, him. He really does. <laughs> so you just Gad. throw him in anywhere. Yes. It's always Josh Gad. <laughs> yeah. There's no, I hope he wouldn't mind. He could use my name like that, but I just like saying his name. Uh, you're a man. I keep saying this about you. You're a man <laughs> that enjoys the wilderness. You like to go into nature. Mm-hmm. Well, I go clay hunting. 
What? Yeah, I go process real like real clay. I get it, and then I'll go process it. I just I like working. I don't know with, what you're talking about. What do you mean you you go and find clay? There's a there's a spot near me. I don't want to give too much information away. <laughs> it's called I don't an, want a lot it's of, called an art supply store. Nope. Wait, nope. you go and find clay from the earth. Yeah. And when you say, and you don't want to say where this clay is, because everyone's going to want some of this clay. Yeah, I don't want anybody to. Is it that construction site? No, it's, it's, this is just a place uh, that I know about near, near where I live. Okay. You got to haul it out. You know, it's heavy. Okay. You you got a lot of clay aching, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Oh Uh, my God. The whole point of it, just to bring that up. That was my whole point. You are. No, 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 you're, no, 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 no. You don't walk away from clay aching. You don't walk away from, now I'm clay aching. But honestly. Uh, You're out of show business. Officially thank, out of show thank business. God. Yeah. You're, thank you're successfully, God. no one will ever ask you to do anything again once Clay Aiken gets out there. Good God. He called my mom's house once, Clay Aiken. You're not going to distract from what you did. Anyway, uh, but true, I do go get Clay out of the uh, out of the Then you said spot. you process Clay. Isn't Clay just Clay? Yeah, but if you, so if it's a little wet, you got to get it a little wetter too, so you can start, you know, um, Making stuff. Making stuff. Or you dry it and you mill it down like sand because it comes in huge blocks. And then you add water to that. Okay. I just killed the whole podcast uh, <laughs> with that. But what do you like to make? Do, what do you make with clay? Well, I make bricks. I'm, I'm starting to learn how to make bricks. I've traveled a lot of places. I, I know this sounds like, but I always have loved to watch how people make native brick. Uh, I've been to Africa. Thailand, and I don't know, I seek out brick makers. And I'm gonna, first of all, I'll tell you something. Uh, this is not you, at all interesting? No. Oh, okay. No, th- actually, this is interesting to me because you, you, uh, you share this passion with Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill used to, uh, ma- they used to manufacture brick at his uh, home, his country home, Chartwell. Hmm. And he was really into making brick and then laying the brick. So a lot of the walls around his home were made, and this is when he's, I mean, he's prime minister, he's fighting World War II, he's, and he's making bricks and building brick walls. There's something very satisfying about just, and, and not, I'm not much of a thinker, but I do my best thinking when I'm doing something with that kind of thing. Yeah. Earth-related. It could be mowing the grass. Right. Or it could be the grass. You mean marijuana. Is that what you're doing? You just did a, you just mimed toking. No, I was like, do you have any chup, chapstick? <laughs> no, 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 that's not what you were doing. Listen, I don't, this is a In drug- the middle of it. This is a drug-free zone and your Cheech and Chong kind of humor. Uh, is, uh, did you ever listen to them, their albums? Uh, yeah, yeah, when I was much younger. Yes. Evelyn Woodhead sped Reading course. Do you remember that? I, do, I don't know. I don't know that bit. It sounds funny. I thought maybe you would have a vast knowledge of comedy albums from the 70s. Oh, so I'm old all of a sudden. No, well, we were the same age. I don't think we are. Is I'm Ruth? 74 years old. I was born in 74. Were you born in 1974? 69. I'm going I'm to be 50 in a week. I am, I am uh, six years older than you. Oh, yeah. it shows. I mean, wisdom-wise, wisdom-wise, wisdom-wise. Uh, let's get back to how you're a really nice guy in real life. <laughs> Because what the fuck was that? You know, I try to moisturize my face, yeah. but my head is rotting like a pumpkin in the November sun. If there's nothing we can, I mean, what do we do about this? Nothing. Thank you, Sona. Are you taking anything orally for, uh, what is your SPF count? It is above 100, 110. Yeah. 100. I actually, my uh, sunscreen fires light back at the sky. Uh, <laughs> It's actually, my sunscreen is so powerful, it's a source of its own light. Uh, my I, son has your complaint. He has your... That's a good looking kid. Yeah. He is. Yeah. So there. I guess, what do you mean? Why are you, sh- why are you shaking your head no? Ooh. Oh, listen, that's a good... You know what? I'm gonna, I don't like this. I don't like the way it's going. I, um, I do. I think, too. I think I'm a very... Uh, I think I'm a, I'm a solid... B minus. Can I tell you something that I was thinking when I was climbing these stair- stairs? <laughs> There's a long stairway. Let me tell our audience. Yes. There's a long stairway to get up to the podcast studio. Yeah. And uh, we often have to defibrillate people when they get to the top of the stairs. I honestly think the walk here is a little suspicious because it seems like it, it could be a murder. <laughs> you have to I go mean, back I, behind the sets. Well, yeah. no offense to the young lady that was helping me, but I, don't, I mean, I just started following her. She could have led me to like- 
some mafioso or something back here. Let me tell you something. It was a 50-50 proposition with me whether I interview you. Or, or I or, get killed off. Or I murder you. Yeah. Well, was, I would have fallen for either one. Well, you fell for I one fell of them. I fell for one of them, Yeah, yes. you did. Either yeah. one. You, yes. But I'm as I was walking up the steps, I and I don't know if I ever told you this, you did a Q&A at the Museum of Television in New York years ago. You had just gotten your show, and you spoke to the audience, and someone, and there were a lot of comics, like open mic comics. Right. That's what I was. Mm-hmm. And I remember you said that, because someone had asked you a question uh, that prompted you to have this this answer, and the answer basically was, the hardest thing about what you were doing or this endeavor in show business is rejection. Mm-hmm. And if you can figure out how to manage that mm-hmm. and not let it get to you too much, that I think that that's, that's a battle that you got to figure out. I remember that, and it, I, never, I never forgot it because I got rejected a thousand times after I heard that. And uh, I just kept going because I believed in what you said, and then I realized this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, yeah, I just want to. This wanna... isn't going to happen. <laughs> so, no, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Uh, yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there, California. <laughs> California, Sona. No matter where California. you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. I'm a California resident. So are you. Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching. You can go hiking in Yosemite. And then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want. They got it in California. Hey, if you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. It's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. (laughs) Well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take it. Just take it down. I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. uh, So I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loud speaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, yeah. find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the jitterbug and the Watusi. Okay. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone <laughs> cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed mm-hmm. the great taste. Of Miller Lite. Are you with me on oh, this? Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. Yeah. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not oh. with Miller Lite. 
So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm -hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it it's less filling Miller Light or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Light keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Light has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Light delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. <laughs> No, it's funny. I have um, the famous writer E.B. White, you know, Charlotte's Web, and, mm-hmm. his, and then his essays and just – and Strunk and White, Elements of Style, and just thought, like, this is the greatest writer of all time. I realized when I was about 17 that he was uh, living up in, I think, North Brooklyn, Maine. So I wrote a letter to him. Now, I don't have that letter, but I sent it off to him and – what I have is he wrote me back. And then I think he passed away like a year later, I think as a result of my letter. Uh, but- um, You put poison in it. I did. I tend to, I compliment writers and then I, I also try and take them out of the picture. But he wrote me this letter back that I still have and it's framed and I see it every day. But it's so interesting to me because it's like from 1979 or 1980 and it says, dear Conan, I really, you know, really enjoyed your letter. It was really well written and da, da, da. And then he said, you say that you're very concerned about, that you want to be a writer uh, or do something creative, but you're very concerned about criticism because mm-hmm. you're, you're thin skinned. And I thought, isn't that fascinating? That's what I was worried about when I was 16 was, oh my God, I really want to try this, but what if someone is mean, what if people are mean to me about it? And am I going to be able to withstand that? And uh, then he says, I never much minded criticism unless they got their facts wrong. You know, and then he says like, best wishes, E.B. White. And it's it's one of my favorite, I mean, if there's a fire, get the family out and then run back in and get that letter. Seriously, that's like how precious it is to me. And that was Betty White? <laughs> No, it, it was E.B. White. Yeah, I was going to say because she didn't write Charlotte's Web. <laughs> I opened my soul to you. I opened up my chest cavity and I showed you my beating heart. And uh, you took a dump on it. <laughs> dump. There's now feces on my heart. Jesus. Your oh, feces man. is on my heart. Unbelievable. Well, I'm sorry, but that's exactly what happened. There's fecal matter on my heart. Where is that? Where is that? Is it in your office, the the, the E.B. White uh, letter? Is it framed? It's framed. Yeah. It's not in my, it's uh, right near the kitchen because I also, uh, there's, he added some recipes at the bottom. He he had some recipes, like a chili recipe. Yeah, a chili recipe. It's E.B. White's uh, ass blowing chili. <laughs> And I don't know why he added that, but so I've always... Because I just thought that was a poem of his. It started as a poem, and then it turned into... He realized... It started as a poem, and then he realized this is actually a very good recipe for some super hot ass-blowing chili. So uh, that's why it's near the kitchen. The the point is, and it's one of the themes that I like to get to in this podcast, is that there are all these people that I know, like yourself who are incredibly funny and may give the impression if someone saw between two ferns that you're bulletproof and that you don't. But I have always known that you're an incredibly sensitive person and that that you've had your feelings hurt a million times. Yeah, I grew up very, I mean, I was a very sensitive kid. And I think this humor thing is uh, I somewhat, I mean, I think the stereotypical thing is to say that it's armor. And, and I think it is, part of it is to harden yourself so you can get through the day. And now that I'm older, I don't mind talking about it as much because I think it was, I've, always been kind of guarded about it, talking about real things but i i used to cry all the time all every night as a kid mm-hmm. to bed i don't know i mean i know kind of what it was but i was so sensitive just not necessarily about my own feelings because my brother and i had such a tumultuous relationship and that was confusing to try to figure out and he's the greatest human now like I love him to death but there were just things I just didn't understand about the, how unfair the world is to some kids like it's 
it's cruel. Mm-hmm. And some kids just have a hard time dealing with it. I can't imagine now, kid, like if, if I were if I were a kid now, I mean, I'd be crying during this podcast. Right, right. But so I think that that sensitivity formed some kind of weird, comedic, absurdist uh, thing in me. I don't know if someone can be really funny if they... Or this good looking. Yes, of course. That goes without saying. I can't pull, I don't know if someone can be, when someone comes along who had a perfectly happy childhood mm. and, and wasn't mm-hmm. incredibly anxious or incredibly sensi- oversensitive mm-hmm. or felt that the world was unjust, I always wonder, how did they get into comedy? Mm-hmm. How did that, how did it, uh, how can that work out? Well, I think where's the rocket fuel? That's what I always wonder. How do you get the rocket well, fuel? You, if you, you were raised properly, like you had. Do you, I mean, do you think you were raised by loving parents? Yes. Yeah. But I. But I also think I was uh, hyper, incredibly hypersensitive, yeah. and uh, and had periods of a lot of anxiety when I was a kid, and um, you know, and had issues with getting very depressed mm-hmm. and very down, and hated school. Hated school. So it wasn't anybody's fault. When people talk about, oh, my childhood and just how much fun it was, I don't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Does that, does, uh, do you ever that way when people are like, oh man, when I was a kid, that was the best time of my life. I don't, it doesn't, I like being an adult better than I like being a kid. I had a pretty ch- happy childhood. There were, I mean, I think everybody. Oh, well, that just makes me look like an ass. Well, I, I mean, he, my family was fun. Like my cousins, my brothers, very, my si- so there was this like a lot of like nurturing of laughter. It yes. wasn't like this hardship type growing up. It right. was like laughter was real important in the way we communicated. That's it, yes, to make that jokes I can, that I agree with. Yes. Was everything that's just how we communicate. It still is how we communicate. And that's why I always will defend humor because we're living in sticky times now where it's talk about being I'm talking about sensitive, we, you know, where people are saying, "Hey, we're being sensitive to certain words and you know, how do we as comics adapt uh, to that. Uh, but as far as growing up, my parents were like very supportive yeah. and laughed a lot. We used to do sketches for them, you know, and, and they were just support. They nurtured it. Yeah. They saw that it was a thing. And, you know, even when I decided to move to New York, my dad, I mean, my they, I had, I was going nowhere fast, but my dad was like, yeah, go up there, try it out. Yeah. So there was always this support. And, and once I got to know a lot of comics, I realized, Oh, that wasn't the case for a lot of people. That right. stereotype of growing up in a weird environment and bad past is is there is a reason there is a stereotype for that. Right. Well, I agree. I had parents that really the way I could really connect best with my parents and people in my family was to make them laugh hard. So that's when I think I became a junkie. You know, yeah. just like, oh, I love that. I want the pellet. Yeah. It's the hamster that wants the little pellet of cocaine, you know. I would watch my cousins do it because they were older than me. So I would watch them make my aunt and uncles laugh because they were, you know, ten. They were ten, five, ten years older than me when I was really being affected by that, yeah. that big family laugh. Because at reunions, that's where everybody showed off. I mean, I would do the robot <laughs> for money when right. I was five. Right. You know, there's there's video of us all dancing around in earth, like as earthwood and fire. That I actually got to show Philip Bailey, the lead singer of. He <laughs> <laughs> was one of the greatest shows in this moment. Isn't that great? Oh, I gotta tell you, it was. I got to meet him. He came to visit uh, this TV show that I had, uh, and because he liked it, and he knew one of the actors, and he was worshipped in my family. Philip Bailey. I tried to tell him like Earth, Wind, and Fire was everything, and so I got to show Philip Bailey this sketch of me and my cousins just lip syncing this great earth wind and fire song that's what's great about and, show and how did he respond he he loved it yeah he absolutely you know, loved it's it. it's never going to get better than that right but it, it that is a connection to like a childhood thing though i mean because yeah. all like i don't think anybody decides to be a comic at 20 you no. know it seems like we, we you're kind of born and you sit on it you know that that's what you want to do I mean, from an early age, you probably knew it, right? I knew that I wanted to be an entertainer, and I knew that I could make people laugh. And then I put that away because I thought, I live in Brookline, Mass. My dad works in a microbiology lab. We, I've never seen anybody in show business. I'm, show business is never happening for me. I just decided at some point, it's not going to happen. So I'm just going to 
buckle down and grind it out and be a really good student and try and be a man of important matters and affairs. <laughs> and then that completely went off the rails. Right. I get to college and they have a humor magazine and bang. And then I had the bug forever. Yeah. Once you do it and once you get a taste of it. It's once you get a taste hard. and once you, yeah. Once you realize, oh, this is a thing that adults seem to value. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just a kid thing. You no. Know, people laugh. It's one of my big, like, moments when I was a kid was the guy that whistled the Andy Griffith theme <laughs> came to my elementary school and whistled for a li- whistled for us. What? And I remember thinking, oh my God, he didn't bring anything to work. He just showed up and whistled. And it made a big effect on me because I, I remember looking at the kids and they all had their mouths open and staring at this guy and and holding their their attention. Wait, but what else did he do? You he can't- just whistled. He just whistled the Andy Griffith theme? Uh, mostly in a in a lot of uh, a lot of Radiohead. No, <laughs> no, but uh, I know there was other songs that he whistled, but that was what he was known for, and that's what that was his draw. So he say it was about a thirty minute assembly, and I just thought, wow, that was I, I was very that was a big hook. I remember that day very well. Yeah, because you actually were in the room with somebody. Who was make who, 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 who? Like those entertainers didn't come through where I lived. Yeah, I mean, if they did, they were whistlers. <laughs> <laughs> you got all the whistlers. Yeah, yeah. So no, I, we, I didn't have any connection to show business. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I know neither. exactly what you're talking. No, about. No, I just didn't know. I'm constantly meeting people that got into show business, and I'll say, "Oh, how'd you do that?" And they'll say, "Well, you know, I grew up." In Santa Monica, or I grew up in the Valley, and my dad worked yeah. for Warner Bros. You know, and, and so you think like, right, you you were near it, and you saw it. I didn't see anybody. I never saw a famous person. I never saw, there was never any show business related thing that happened near me. Are there stand-ups from around that area, though? Yeah, but I wasn't, as a kid, I wasn't yeah, seeing. Yeah, you weren't tuned in. Yeah, I wasn't tuned into any of that. I uh, I was watching, you know, Mary Poppins being rerun and thinking, you know, how can I be Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins? Do you still do that pussy Van Lesbian joke? What? <laughs> Say that again. Do you still do that pussy Van Lesbian joke? Uh, yes, I do, all the time. Okay. Because it delights everybody. Sorry. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's, the, it's the opposite of Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, yes. That's, that was my... Yeah, you're, you're still doing it. <laughs> you're a bad guy. You're not a good person. You know that, right? Bad comedy is the best. It's the best. Someone told me, and I don't know if I can say this, you could... There's a song parody guy in Boston that used to sing, I'm sitting on a cock because I'm gay. Have you ever? <laughs> oh, instead of, I'm sitting on the dock of the bay. Yeah. I'm sitting on, on a cock because I'm gay. Right. And he sang that. Mm-hmm, as his closer. Right. <laughs> I don't know if he can do that anymore. <laughs> or, now's the time. Bring it back. Also, just no. I'm. Sorry. Oh, no. But, no, but also, it just sounds so not erotic. It just sounds like it's flaccid and you're just sitting on it like it's a, a like a, a right. deflated well, log. That's how I interpret it. I always looked song. at it. He's just looking for something to sit on. Yeah. Such a good song. I mean, it's outdated. As of like six months ago. Yeah. I stopped listening to it six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. I didn't know about that guy, but he's on next week on the podcast. You should book him. Yeah. <laughs> He's on the podcast. Um, do you think you've learned anything from this session? Has any good come from this? You've Most of the time I've just been sitting here thinking, I wonder what the traffic's like going back to Venice. <laughs> yeah. Go you ahead, don't I'm mean, joking. No, 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 you're not. Yes, I am. Yes, you, it, This is the first thing I've, I, 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 this has been a pleasure to actually sit and talk and, and to have real, like, without the applause sign that you, rec- that you ask for all day long. <laughs> There's an applause sign in the podcast studio, but no one, we can't seem to keep it working. <laughs> no, I but you know This what? is a great format, is what I'm saying. Like, this is, it's, it's, it's hard to get real sometimes on these on talk shows, and you are such a great talk show host that I, I think why I like this is, like, when I watch you, I yearn for more. Yeah. I do. That's nice. I do, because I know this other side of you. Well, I'll say... What I love most about this that I've really enjoyed is they'll, I come into work today and I know I'm doing the show, but then I know that, that you're going to be here 
know, Zach's coming. And I know that we're going to sit here and talk for 45 minutes or an hour. And I was told it was going to be four to five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how we get people in. We're going long. We say four to five. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when they get in here, we stretch it out. But um, no, I've, I've always enjoyed talking to you after the show. The show, that format of six minutes, break, six minutes, it, it doesn't well there's a bigness to 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 late night shows that doesn't allow for intimacy sometimes yes yes and i still love i like an audience i really do love mm-hmm. an audience mm-hmm. but i also love not having an audience and i love just following these little weird eddies and rivulets and uh, you know, little tributaries. I'm going to keep saying various little yeah, words for, of, uh, you know, <laughs> bodies of water that have broken off into smaller branches, uh, eroding, uh, creating shale, magma. Um, I'm having a series of small strokes and I'm going to wrap this up. But uh, I hope we get to do this again sometime. Can I come by tomorrow? <laughs> Uh, it seems that seems soon. This evening, later this evening. That's even sooner, <laughs> oh. actually. Yeah. So no, I don't think so. Who do you have? Who do you have lined up as guests? Do you, is this something you advertise? Do you have a lot of? Do we do it. We get people. Uh, we're getting um, um, Josh Gad mm. is uh, is is a big. Yeah, he's going to be coming. You know the date of that one. <laughs> Uh, that would be. I think it's been about three weeks. Yeah. So you should be here when Josh Gad is here. Okay. And you should tell Josh Gad that you're referencing him a lot. I uh, actually, I don't hope he. I hope he doesn't mind uh, because I just like his name. I was doing that for a while. I did a some stand-up shows uh, across this great nation of ours, and I just people in the audience would always ask who they always want to know who's the celebrity I don't like, mm-hmm. and of course I don't want to say that. Right. But I just decided to tell them Willem Dafoe because. Who would, you know what I mean? It's so left field. Yeah. It is and I just went, sense. Willem Dafoe, man. Total. And and people were like, yes, yes, we're getting the tea on. And then I always, it was like, no, 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 no. Before I go, I have to tell you, he's a consummate professional and has always been lovely to me. And I totally made that up. I just uh, needed to give you a name it's and so I gave good. it to you. But I just one. like, you're, you're, uh, what Josh Gad is for you, Willem Dafoe Willem is Dafoe. for me. Yeah. I hope Josh Gad likes that. I hope he's okay with us referencing him. I'm sure he is. Willem Dafoe, can I tell you something quick? Yeah. Or do we have to leave? No, no, no. When I moved to New York, I was reading an article about the Wooster Group, which was his theater group. And I was walking around Soho, and I saw the sign to the Wooster Group. I just read an article about it. And Willem Dafoe steps out of the theater. And I say to him, this is 25 years ago, I said, I just read an article about this theater. I he goes, you want to go around looking? He gave me a tour for an hour to this theater. And this is the guy that I've been telling audiences yeah. is a prick? Yeah, no, he's a good guy. You no, know, I I've, I've know he's a good guy. I've interviewed him, and he's always seemed lovely. And I just, what has Josh Gad done for you? Nothing. So, you know, we should switch names. That's you should go do. after Willem Dafoe. Yes. I should go after Josh Gad. Okay. It's not going after. Just it's referencing a, It's them. an homage. I thought it was homage. Is I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> this is... A travesty. I apologize to everyone who uh, okay. spent valuable time listening to this. Yeah, what is the listenership on something like this? Oh, uh, guess what? In the podcast world, this is- Millions. You know what? I'm not going to screw around here. I had no expectations. And uh, they told us when we started, it'd be really good if you could do 200,000. You know, like that's like a good, respectable number. Yeah. Bang, we're over a million. No. Yes. Don't say no to me. I'll say yes to you. Well, I, didn't, I wouldn't have come on it had I known it had this kind of listenership. Yeah. What? Well, I thought less is more with me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to overload the audience with. This will be. This will be, and this is not an exaggeration, the most popular thing you've ever done. Hmm. <laughs> really? Yes. This will be heard by more people then saw all of the Hangover movies combined. I've done more work than just the Hangover, Conan. Uh, I looked into it. <laughs> no. There's a clown TV show um, 
called Patches. Do you watch all these th- shows you have to have people come on and talk about? No. I li- There's people I like. I love you and Louie Anderson on that show. Yeah, but- And, I, and I, I, so I watch your show. Uh, no, I'm very good at saying, oh, so many people talking about this show. Wonderful buzz on this right. show. That, that's usually code for I haven't seen it. Because you possibly can't watch. I can't. I can't. I'm too busy looking at my own show. Yeah. I watch my own show religiously. I've never missed an episode of my own show. Do you watch it at, at night? I watch it. I make my children watch it. Right. You wake them up. Yeah. <laughs> Get up. Like, Get up. Let's go. Done again. There's daddy. And then I, we show it again and I say, remember, what's the, what's the line daddy had here? Bang. Right. Uh, no, I don't watch my own show. And my children don't watch it. They, don't, they think I'm a realtor. <laughs> they think I'm a very successful realtor. Well, you're doing well. I am. You are doing well. I'm moving a lot of, uh, a lot of great houses in- uh, what, is, uh, what is your neighborhood that you- Glasshole Park. Glasshole Park? <laughs> you know what? If you're going to do these dirty- uh, Well, that's you know, what I thought you said. No, I said Glasshole Park. What's that? I've never heard so of it. So I explain Glasshole Park. It's Glendale adjacent. Oh, yeah. God. Uh, enough with Glendale. Oh, what? It's so far out of the way. Everybody oh lives there. Oh, Well, not a lot of Armenian people live there. Well, a lot of people I know in the biz- Oh, live yeah. over there. Biz. It's yeah. lovely there. What's so nice about Glendale? There's beautiful hills. There's it's pleasant neighborhoods. There's trees. It's hot. It is really hot. Yeah, yeah it is. We're gonna run that section. <laughs> I think you should start start it with that. <laughs> We're gonna start with that. Just uh, before we begin a new segment, uh, Zach and Sona talk about uh, uh, Glendale adjacent properties, <laughs> the pros and cons. I'm going to end this now, but I want to say uh, uh, it is an absolute honor to know you. You're uh, one of the funniest people I've uh, encountered in my kooky life, and you're also one of the nicest. So Conan, there you have nice. it. Thank you very much. Thank for you being for here. having me. Thanks, everybody. Murderer. Thank you. Murderer. Murderer. I like to accuse you of murder just in a way. <laughs> oh, my God. I got to say, everywhere I go, people are talking about Monopoly Go. And oh. for good reason. It's an absolute hit. Yeah. I love Monopoly. People love Monopoly. And look, Monopoly's been around for a very long time. It's one of the oldest board games ever. Okay? Okay. But lately I walk around and I just hear like, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? What are you guys talking about? And they say, we're playing Monopoly Go. You can play it with your family, your friends. It's a straight delight. There's always something new to do. Partner events where you can build on each other's boards and Crazy tournaments with team events you can recruit your friends for. Or you can just compete to outdo them all on the leaderboards. Mm. And when you're not messing with your family and friends, Monopoly Go is always throwing new stuff at you. They have taken Monopoly to the next level. I didn't think Monopoly had to go to the next level, but they did. (laughs) There's timed events like massive multipliers for all your winnings and challenges like treasure hunts or money sprees that have fun new mini games, plus with tons of rewards to collect, like stickers for trading with friends and hilarious emojis that are perfect for gloating, there's always a reason to dip back in. Yeah. Man, they cracked it, you know? They did. So join the fun. Download Monopoly Go now free on the App Store and Google Play. Everybody Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT, introducing ADT Self Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cam and the Nest Doorbell with a battery or wired option. Your choice. Easily install the ADT Self Setup security system at your convenience. You don't need heavy-duty tools. And if you do need help, ADT can provide virtual assistance along the way. Self Setup from ADT grows, moves, and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time, and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. It also features Nest Cams that can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. These things are getting so smart. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just one quick tap. Now everyone can get trusted security from ADT installed your way with no long-term contracts. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, well, <laughs> you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are all trademarks of Google LLC. Well, happy Halloween, you two. Happy Halloween, Matt. Uh, happy Halloween, Matt. We have a little gift for you, Conan. Oh, you don't give gifts on Halloween. 
it's a treat. Oh. And this is something that came up last season on the podcast, something oh. you mentioned you had in your childhood. Yeah. I don't rem- I have no idea, uh, listeners, what this is. I have not been briefed. Adam and I hunted this down based off a of fan suggestion. And okay. uh, I think this is destined to be a special and life-changing moment for you. Wow. Yeah. Would you like to put more pressure on whatever's <laughs> in this box? Okay, here we go. I'm opening this box. There's some brown paper, and this looks like one of those boxes that's on like a true crime special. <laughs> yeah, thing. there's a little leg. The bomb was in a box, you know. Uh, hold on. There's a lot of paper in here. Oh, my God! Yes! This was it, I think. I think this was it. It's an Uncle Sam Halloween mask. Yeah, it's And I the, talked about this last year. Oh, my the, God. Like, plastic Ben Cooper yes. mask with the vinyl. Oh, oh my, my God. God. I rem- Yes, this <gasps> is it. Oh, my. It's in... It's filthy. <laughs> what happened? I think someone was murdered in well, this. That's the shape of America now. Oh my God, so sad. I just, it's a plastic smiling uh, Uncle Sam and uh, mask. Just one of those flat plastic masks that you wear. Painful to wear. And then, yeah, they hurt and they're uncomfortable and uh, your sweat condenses underneath them and they smell like Agent Orange or some kind of chemical <laughs> that was used in warfare. And then- this thing that you put on over it, which is an Uncle Sam smock. <laughs> and my mom got this for me one year to wear on Halloween. And I think it was at the height. I, I think Nixon's president. There's Vietnam <laughs> protests. There's, oh my God. People have taken to the street. Uh, and I went out as the symbol <laughs> of America at its most patriarchal, most imperialist, you know, the, the, the image of Uncle Sam was, was created in like World War One, and it's just associated with crushing other countries that get in our way. And that's how I went out. And my poor mom, I just want to, my mom is, is still with us and I do love my mom. And I feel I wasn't pleasant when she handed me this. Aww. She was trying to do the right thing. She grew up in a patriotic era. My mom grew up in the 30s. So she, you know, she didn't think anything was wrong. And she didn't know why I was such a sourpuss about it. But I did wear it, and I was attacked by hippies. (laughs) (laughs) We'll put a picture of this on the episode webpage and also. You gotta see this, and you have to see the condition of my God, look at this. Is this is really wretched. That is. You got, we got a, this is like a fungus. Or like a crime happened in that. No, no, it really does look like this is, the you know, the body was recovered after missing for three years. Yeah, yeah. And it was in, <laughs> it was the, the killer put it in a ritual Uncle Sam costume. Uh, we took the body away, or what was left of it, moldering. This is horrific. Oh my God, it's ages four to six too, so it's tiny, so it feels really macabre. Yeah, I think I was older than that when I wore this, but yes, that is, I remember that very well. I remember that, that face. I remember looking at that and thinking, shit, I have to wear this out in public. Little John Birch Society, Conan O'Brien. You know what it was like? It's like that, the Christmas story, uh, television show where he has to wear the pink. Yeah. Ralphie has to dress up as the pink bunny rabbit, Easter rabbit. And he's mortified. That's, that was me. I was Uncle Sam, symbol of American might. That's great. Who, who, did a fan find this? Yeah, I'm sorry. I can't remember who it was, but they tipped us off to this auction on eBay. $200. Oh my no, God. You spent $200 yeah. for me this? personally. Oh, great. It just came out of the podcast. That's <laughs> yeah. half our profits, you moron. <laughs> How you doing with that podcast money, Conan? Uh, no, it's, um, that's fantastic. It's, uh, stop, Sona, you look genuinely upset. I'm not, ju- I'm not upset. It I'm, is kind I'm of examining story. it. It is really weird. It says Americana costume for Halloween fun with ventilated mask. That just means it has eye holes. And it's open in the back. Treated is- to temporarily retard flame. <laughs> temporarily. <laughs> temporarily. What? Yeah, Ben Cooper. Who's Ben Cooper? He's the guy that would make all these things, and then he got a bunch of licenses, like Star Wars and all the superheroes right. and everything. Yeah. Right. 
Well, I hope he was tried for his crimes, <laughs> like Pol Pot. <laughs> I hope he paid for this somehow. Uh, ben Cooper, wherever you are. You guys is... dressing up this year? I am. I'm going to an alien party. And you're going as an Well, alien? I want, no. I wanted to go as uh, Gwen DeMarco from Galaxy Quest, Sigourney Weaver's oh. character. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have time to get the costume so together. what are you doing? I'm just going as an astronaut. I think shortly after, might have been this Uncle Sam costume killed costumes for me. (laughs) But for someone who, if I'm in a sketch, I love being in a costume. I love having a fake mustache. If I'm doing something that's uh, a comedic performance, I'm fine with a costume. But I don't want to wear a silly costume. I don't want to dress up on Halloween. I just, I I, I always had a really strong reaction to it. Mm. It's a lot of pressure. It's pressure, and I always thought what I've got going on naturally is enough. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're someone people probably dress up as for Halloween, right? I have seen, who is it? People have sent me pictures of like their kid with a big red Uh, wig (laughs) and a talk show desk strapped around them walking down the street. And I think that kid's just getting pelted with (laughs) fruit, you know? (laughs) That kid's getting no candy. Look at me. I'm an ironic Irish guy. Pelt, pelt, <laughs> thwap, thwap. It's just sad. There was a one of those masks, but they didn't license your no. image. And it just said talk show host. No, it, worse than that. Oh. It was right after the Tonight Show thing happened. And, you know, it was a huge story. And there was a mask you could buy. And it was clearly my face, but they couldn't say it was me for licensing purposes. And it was this, and it looked like me if I had been in, in a fire and been burned a little bit in the oh face. Oh my God. And, um, but not on purpose, just because yeah. they threw the mask together so quickly. The label was X Talk Show Host. Oh no. Yes, X Talk Show Host. Like, well, he's gone. If you want to be, and I was like, no, I'm not. I'm actually starting, I'm, I'm still around. Oh. No, you're not. You're X Talk Show Host. Yeah. Should I have not brought that up? (laughs) Uh, Well, if you consider this podcast to be a very honest form of therapy, then yes, you should have. Okay. Yeah. You're welcome. I don't, I I thought that was, if you guys think that's too painful, I I don't. I, oh, you love it. I love it. Oh, you love it. Yeah, I do love it. You love that my career has been filled with chills and spills. You've done all right, sport. You really have. Huh? You've done fine. Yes, I have. Yes. Thank you. You have. Yeah. Ex-talk show host. Do you know that story about how William Shatner's mask was turned into Michael Myers for the Halloween series? That's, that's what the mask is. It's a William Shatner mask. I've heard that. Yeah. They took a William, they took a William Shatner Star Trek mask. Right? Yeah. And turned it in, and then that's what they use for Michael Myers. Yeah. So that's kind of like what happened to you. Yeah. Maybe someday people will use the mask of me as ex talk show host. The murdering slasher? The murderer will be, yeah. Or when they reboot it the next time, they'll use my face. I'd go to that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get out of here. Really? Yeah. Okay. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. With Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. The show is engineered by Will Beckton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It too could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf.